that's what this whole series has been on. It's been considering him and, and looking again at him. We've, we've talked about disciples, disciple-making, how Jesus made disciples, and then how we could be disciples of his and make disciples by just being like Jesus. And now we're just taking a brief second, these four lessons, and we're saying, well, let's look at him again. And, and let's, let's talk about him as a group here. And today we're going to talk about him in Matthew 15. And the reason I wanted Patrick to read it now is because when we get done reading this, we're going to jump into the questions that I have for you that I want to talk through with you. So I didn't want to be, you know, didn't want to be too far you know, in between when we read it and when we talked about it so that you can have it in your minds fresh. I do not have it on the Prezi this morning, so it won't be up there. You're going to have to look at your Bible, so if you didn't bring them, you picked the worst day not to bring your Bible, but you need one this morning. But we're going to have Patrick get up here and read that, that section of Scripture from us for us, uh, 1 through 39 of Matthew 15, and then we're going to just talk through Matthew 15 and talk about Jesus again. going to be reading from Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 39. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before, before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God? For the sake of your tradition. For God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift. Devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth do not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be, root, will be pulled up by the roots Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leaves a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked him. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? 
But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. But she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up into the mountains and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And laid them at his feet. And he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking. The cripple made well. The lame walking and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said. I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them, send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were 4,000 besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Thank you, Patrick. All right. One of the things I think that strikes me about a guy named Spurgeon. How many have heard about Charles Spurgeon? Anybody? Baptist preacher from a long, long time ago. 
It's got a lot of, a lot of good things to read. But I want to read you this little part that there was an interchange between him and somebody else. A young man, a young man who he heard preach, apparently. It says, one time a young preacher asked Spurgeon, at that time an older man, to critique his preaching. And the great man was blunt. He said that was a poor sermon. When the young man asked for an explanation, Spurgeon replied, because there was no Christ in it. The young man protested that his chosen scripture verse had nothing to do with Jesus, and Spurgeon responded, don't you know, young man, that from every town, every village, and every little hamlet in England, wherever it may be, there is a road to London? And so from every text in the scripture, there's a road to the metropolis of the scripture that is Christ. I thought those were pretty interesting words. Everywhere you look in here, like we've already talked about before, right? We've gone through that. In fact, we went through that from beginning to end, seeing Jesus in every single one of these. It, it strikes me that sometimes I don't see him still, that I need to re-see him, see him again. Bill was talking this morning about, or he asked the question about, uh, why did Jesus sometimes tell people not to say something after they did the miracle? And do you remember what you said the reason was? Tell us again, Bill. Why, was it, why, why do you think? They didn't know him. They didn't know him. Yeah, they knew the miracle happened, is what you said. They, they saw that, and that had impacted their lives. But what they're telling people is, this guy did this miracle. But they're not telling people about Jesus. They don't know him yet. Maybe that's one of the reasons he did that. And when Bill said that, I was thinking, that's such an interesting take on that. And then the opposite of that, in my mind, I jumped right to John 4, where the woman at the well meets Jesus, and she talks with him. And he tells her things that he wouldn't know. And as she knows, this guy is somebody special. And he doesn't even do a miracle there. He just talks to her. She meets Jesus. And then she takes that information and she goes back into the town and she tells everybody in the town and they say, hmm, maybe. But then what ends up happening is we don't believe on him because of you. We believe because now we've seen him. Again, it's the let's see Jesus. Let's see the guy that we need to believe in. So today I want to take a look at Matthew 15 and I want to walk through what I need to do, maybe what you need to do. To see him again. When I need to see him. When I'm hurting like I am this week. Or when you're hurting and you need to see Jesus again. But you've read the Bible. You've read these passages over and over again. How do we see him again? As Christians who are maybe well versed in the Bible. I want to go through a couple things here. And I want to ask you some questions. The first one here is when I read. And when you read I want to ask more and better questions when we read the Bible. Instead of just reading it straight through. Yeah, I've read Matthew 15. Maybe some of you were sitting here this morning as, as Patrick was reading Matthew 15 and saying, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And maybe you weren't even really paying attention. I've done that before too. Here, I've done that before. Because I've heard it before, right? I know the meaning of that passage. You don't have to tell me what that means. I got it. But maybe I don't got it. Maybe I just need to see him again. 
And so when you see when the first one here, ask more and better questions, here are some things. Now, keep in mind Matthew 15. Keep your Bibles out so that you can answer these questions for me and with me. All right, the first one here is, what does this story or truth tell me about the heart of Jesus? Is it focused on Jesus or not? So tell me, in Matthew 15, what does this story, what does this truth in Matthew 15 tell you about the heart of the man called Jesus? Is there something you see in there that says, oh, that tells me about Jesus' heart? Compassion. But what tells you about, what, what part of that tells you compassion? The follow through with the actions, the feeding, the healing. Okay. The follow through with, I see them hungry, and not only do I see them hungry, but I'm moved with compassion enough to take care of them. Okay, so there's some compassion there with the healing, with the feeding. There's compassion. That's a heart of compassion. That's a heart of Jesus. And how, how many times do you read this and not think, man, look at that compassion. I want to see that again. I want to see his compassion for, for individuals, for the guy on the street, for the... For the person I don't care about, I need to have that same compassion. That's a good one. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, verse 13. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Okay. Point to the Father again. Okay. So, uh, as shows his humility. Okay. And his submission to authority, which we have to submit to. Through Jesus, we submit to the Father. Okay. So you see the heart of Jesus. He is a submissive man. And he's showing us how to be submissive. To someone greater, which is what we have to be. We have to be submissive to him. He's emulating that. He's, he's showing you how to be submissive. Okay, that's a, good, that's a good picture of a heart that's submissive, a servant's heart. He's available. That's, that's always a good one, just being available. And so, so many times for, for me, it's hard to be available because you've got stuff going on. Yeah, your life is going on. And life you don't even know about happens right around the corner. And then you're not available. But being available, Jesus was available for the people. And he wanted to be available for the people. Yeah, that's good. Yes? So Jesus meets us where we are. The heart of a teacher, of, a, of our God who meets us where we are and doesn't expect us to stay where we are, but he's willing to meet us there and bring us up to his level. That's a really good one. Um, Linda and then Craig. When he was talking to the Pharisees and the teachers, he was Yeah. And he was brave and right on mark. Yeah. Bold. A heart of boldness. And that's a truth. That's that's a truth, and that, that shows the heart of Jesus too. He's bold for what's right. He's bold for his father's purpose. He's bold for the purpose that he came for. Craig? That is something that, that's hard to miss, but sometimes we still do, right? The master teacher teaching. 
how wonderfully and how beautifully he teaches and how down to earth he teaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's always in the moment with them and teaching them in that moment, teaching to them, not over them. He's trying to reach them. That's, that's a heart of a, of a Savior that is trying to reach people and touch people's lives. He has a mastery of condensing it so well that, that he can take the past, present, and future into, into one lesson. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an amazing talent, past, present, future, the way he brings it all together. That is amazing. Okay, Carl, and then, then you, and then, then maybe we'll try to move to the next one because we got more in case you don't get a chance to answer this one. We do got more. So, uh, Carl? Yeah, one, one point that really uh, needs to be emphasized is that our worship, you know, he, he was teaching things and he was telling them not to be teaching things, uh, I mean, of men, mm-hmm. the commandments of men. Right. Right. You know, and um, God, I mean, God is not, you know, he, he, I mean, God is concerned about our heart and not so much lip service. Right. That, that's, what, that's what I have at the title of my, my chapter for 15 is the heart. Right. Jesus is, he's, he's always aiming for the heart. In fact, God's always been aiming for the heart since the beginning. But he's, he's definitely aiming for the heart here and he's saying that's what counts. Right. The heart here is what counts. You guys are so concerned about everything else. That's, that's that truth. But that's also showing the heart of Jesus, too. The heart of the Father, the heart of Jesus saying, I want your heart. I don't, I don't really care if you wash your hands before you eat. I want your heart. That's what really matters here. And your heart must be in agreement with the doctrine. Mm. You know, it, yeah. I mean, the, the doctrine uh, did not come from man. It came from God. came from God, yeah. Right. Deja? He was wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Did, did you? Like in um, verse 12, the, the disciples said he offended the Pharisees, <laughs> and he was like, um, the only reason they were offended is because they were blind, and when the blind leave the blind, they don't end up in a good place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's very wise. Very wise. Yes. Jesus was, was wise, period. That's good. Okay, so, I mean, when, when it comes down to, man, I, I, need, to, I need to figure out Jesus. I need, to, I need to get closer to him again. What does this story tell me about the heart of Jesus? That, that's a good question to ask ourselves when we read a text that we've read it hundreds of times. What is the heart of Jesus here? What truth is in this, this story here? And another question for you. If you didn't get a chance to answer that one. What about this story or truth reveals something that Jesus highly values or the opposite of that despises is there something in here that says that jumps out at you and says jesus values this this is something that he would value or this is something that jesus says you need to figure out how to get that out yes gary Right. Yes. You're harboring those things. That he despises those things that are, that are going to defile you on the inside, that are going to destroy the heart, destroy the inner man. Get rid of those things. 
which on the opposite end of the spectrum, he values highly our hearts. He values highly the, the thing that he's trying to get at. Democracy, yeah. Right, yeah. That old, that finger pointing, you know, when you got fingers pointing back at you, that hypocrisy factor, yes. That is something he highly despises, the hypocrisy. is That stands out like a sore thumb. Anybody else? Yes. Why did he say that to begin with? Okay. That's a good question. Um, do you mind if I save that to the end? Yes. I, think that might, I think that might work well with the end, if that's okay. What's that? No, I don't. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I want the answer now. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate you waiting. I, I think that might wrap up with, with where I'm going to. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll save that one. John? Okay. He values obedience to the Father, sent to the, fa- uh, to the household of Israel. Okay. All right. So let, let's move on to the, to the third one here because we've got quite a few, and you'll probably be sick and tired of answering my questions at the end of this. But third one, how does the story or truth match or not match my experience of Jesus? See, this question here is going to, going to challenge me to say, do I have the right picture of Jesus? Or am I just remembering what I've been told? Am I just thinking I've got it down? Or am I going to challenge myself and say, okay, Jesus doesn't always fit what I think he should be. Sometimes this challenges me to say, Jesus is different here. I've got to to change my thinking. This one might be a little bit of a tougher question because you're going to have to actually think about what does this challenge me about Jesus himself? How does this challenge how does it match or how does it not match? That one's kind of a tough one, so I'll understand if we need to move on from that one. But if, if anybody has something, I don't want to you know, skip over you either. That's fine. I, I thought it was tough. And I think that one, that one might take some more digging and, and some more looking because it's going to challenge. It asks me to, to, to have that open mind about Jesus and not say, I've got you in a box. I know where you are, Jesus, every time. But to read the scripture and say, I'm ready to be shaped and formed by you. I'm ready to learn from you, even if it challenges what I think you look like. Yes, I think so. I think it does take some, some looking and some asking some questions. What are my pre, preconceived ideas about Jesus? What are the realities of the text? Okay, hold on a second, because that's towards the end of my lesson, too. I think you guys have already read my lesson. So maybe we should just go home. No? <laughs> oh, thank you, Ellen. Amen. All right, here's the, here's the fourth one on this one here. 
If I was going to teach someone, here's, here's a good one. If I'm going to teach someone, if I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus, if I'm going to go out there and somebody says, hey, who is this Jesus? This passage here, what would you say? This is what Jesus is saying. This is the man that you're, you're trying to see in, in Matthew 15. That's another one that might take some time for you to, to say, okay, this is what I would say about Jesus. Some of it you may already have said, like the compassion. This is the Jesus in Matthew 15. You see a Jesus that is compassionate. He sees a need and he's ready to help, which can transition right into, I'm helping you. And they could say, why do you help me? Well, my Jesus helps them. It, it's, it's a smooth transition there from your action to sharing the action of Christ, Matthew 15, or any other, pretty much any other passage Jesus is in. He's, he'll be helping. So maybe, maybe this one also will take some time for us to, to say. But again, it would challenge me to say, well, if, if Carl asked me, what kind of a Jesus do I see in, in Matthew 15? What, what's my answer? Not just, well, he's Jesus. Well, yeah, he's Jesus. But Jesus shows us something. He teaches us something. He's not just there to be a pretty picture. He's there to be an actual representation of God and to show us what God is like and to show us who we need to be. So what does Jesus show us in Matthew 15? How can I point to the heart of Jesus through Matthew 15? And I think that that dovetails with what we've already been talking about. How do you make disciples? Like, like Bill was saying this morning in class, well, you just, if, if you just be Jesus to people, you can do that. If you just act like Jesus, you can start that process of showing people who Jesus Christ is. It is quite simple and quite difficult all at the same time because I need to be looking like Jesus. And then I need to show that to them. And then when they say, hey, why do you do this? I need to be saying, because my Jesus is compassionate. Because my Jesus loves you like he loved me. Because my Jesus saved me like he can save you. Deja? Mm-hmm. And so what he's trying to say is that um, if you're going to be devoted, be devoted. Don't try and water down the word so that it'll best, you know, fit what you got going on in your life. Yeah, yeah and that goes right back to like the hypocrisy thing there. You, boy, you don't, don't try to water down my word because God's not going to let you do that. You might get away with it down here, but man, he's, he's not going to let you water down what he's saying. He's not going to let you have this somewhat picture of Jesus. Jesus shows us who he is and says, this is me. Now, come and be me. Okay, I, I, is it quick? It is quick. Okay. It's a question. I'm, I it's a am question. Intrigued, intrigued by your option of story or truth. Ah, okay. <laughs> Often we read the story. So what truth do we find? Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there's, there's the first part here. Some questions to just kind of challenge me and you and say, okay, well, is, my Je- is the Jesus I'm reading here the right picture of Jesus? Or am I just recycling what I think I know? Am I looking at the text like, like I, I, I should be? Or am I just 
barreling through Matthew, Matthew 15 and saying, I've heard it all before. I know where we're going. Here's the next part of this. And this is one I'm going to call the uh, next president question. Okay? Ask the next president question. Now, this one's going to be a topical joke, so get ready to laugh. Now that I've said that, I've doomed myself. But here's the next topical president question. For those of you paying attention to the news, right, Oprah's supposedly a big, big ticket running. But anyway, the reason I'm using her is because she asks a question, what is one thing you know for sure? She asks some celebrities and things like that, what is one thing you know for sure? And, and they, they answer this question, what is one thing I know for sure? So the next question you and I could ask each other about Matthew 15 is, from this text in Matthew 15, what is one thing you know for sure from Matthew 15? Your heart needs to be right. Be consistent, okay. That Jesus can meet every need. That Jesus can meet every need, okay. Put God Tom, first. put God first, okay. Greg? I need to make changes. <laughs> I need to make changes, okay. Okay, that's a good one too. I need to make changes. I look at that text and I see, yes, I need to shape my life like Jesus. I need to look more like him. I need to change. Gary. The things I mentioned earlier that he lists things that he is not. So right. It helps to know him by knowing what he is not. Okay. And contrasting that because when we compare the world, we're trying to decide what's not Christ-like. Okay. It helps you get a clear picture of what he is. That's kind of interesting, too, because the Hebrew writer does say that, you know, that people have their senses trained to discern good and evil. There, there is a, a training process that goes on with Christians so that we start understanding better and recognizing evil before it gets into us that we recognize this because it doesn't look like Jesus. It doesn't look like him. And so that needs to stay out of my life. Linda. We've, we've hovered around consistency and hypocrisy a lot here today, too. Maybe that's something that, that we've got, you know, because like last week, when I see this stuff in the text, maybe it's something we're struggling with. Maybe it's something we see or maybe it's something around us. You know, it's, it's always interesting when you're reading the text and you see this. Well, why do I see that? Why is that popping out at me here? That's good. Okay, number three here really quickly. Can't tell the time. Oh, it's 11.34. Oh, we got plenty. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> Never mind. This, this third one here, treat everything as if you've read it for the first time. That's a hard thing to do, but it's an important thing to do, isn't it? When Patrick was reading Matthew 15 this morning, did you treat it like, man, I, this, is, this is awesome. Hadn't heard this chapter before yet in Matthew. I've always gone from 14 to 16. Where's this been? Where has this been? Treat it like you've never heard it before, like it's your first time. So if you treated it like that, what what jumped out at you today, aside from what we've already said here? Is there something else that jumped out at you like, oh, man, I didn't see that before? Boys never wash their hands before dinner. Boys never wash their hands before dinner. Okay. 
But there, it's okay. Jesus said it's okay. You don't have to wash your hands. Right? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> okay, so boys don't wash their hands. Thank you, dear. All right. Anybody else? Something that jumped out at you like, man, that's the first, th- or I, 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 that's news to me. Mary? The parable, okay. Okay. And that's why this, this question here is kind of like that. It's, I need to look at this like it's the first time here. Like you're saying, Peter is saying, explain the parable to us. They've been with Jesus, but they're still not getting it. And he's going to explain it to them. But he's saying, you know what, you guys, maybe you should be catching up. There's, there's, there's some truths here that you, that you haven't latched on to yet. But let me tell you. And, and for like, like us, maybe we need to say, okay, explain this to me again. Explain this to me again, Jesus. Explain Matthew 15 to me again. Let's sit down and let's talk about this again. Let's read it like we've never read it before. I want to hear it brand new. And I want to see what, it's, what you're telling me. Deja. Okay. Okay. And how does that, what, what does that do for you? Is that, is that a message to you to listen? It, yeah, it, it's like um, when, you, when I like read things, I have to go back and reread it and reread it. Okay. It's like just stop reading it and like really just feel it. Okay. There is a feeling part to that, yes, definitely. The feeling, there's an understanding, there, there's something here that Jesus, that God is trying to tell us, and sometimes. I need to stop and just say, okay, let's look at Matthew 15, whatever, like it's brand new. And let's go through it together. And what are you trying to tell me? What do I see? And that, that's kind of where, you know, this, this is a question for me. This is, this is a question that will help me with the other questions. Because when somebody asks you what you see, you're going to have to actually have treated a text about Jesus like this to get to the point where you can say, well, this is how Jesus would act. So let me do this. Otherwise, I'm not going to know what Jesus is, is, is doing. I, I don't know him at all if I don't see him in this word. And if I, don't, if I just, just uh, gloss, 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 gloss over him. I think that's the right word. Gloss over him. And just, just you know, read it like I've always read it before and just boom, go through it. Because I'll, I'll be honest, I have a tendency sometimes to do that because I write in my, my Bible. And I write down things that I think of, and, and, and I like what, I, what I've got written down sometimes. And so when I go to the text and I read through it, I think, oh, yeah, that's, that, okay, got that. Okay, moving on. And I, and I don't stop and read it like I haven't got this next to the text and just say, let's start over from the beginning. 
Let's forget what I've already thought I, I understand and let's start over from the beginning. Linda? Yeah. So, when this was read this morning, I honestly have to say, verse 24, I was standing next to the washing of this. It really didn't. That was new to me. That was new for you. Okay. That's good. That's, that's great. That's great. There's something new that jumps out at you. That's awesome. We, we always say that. There's something new jumps out at us every time, but maybe... Maybe we don't actually read it like that, but I'm, I'm glad that something new jumped out at you, and, and I'm sure that something new jumped out at somebody else, too. It's, it's awesome to see that in his word, that it, that it still is brand new every time we get to it, that he's still brand new every time. Did I see your hand up, Gary? I was just going to say that uh, and then jump. on how you look at things changes to the black experience of time. And yeah. You may read something once based on the filter you had then, and it's a totally different understanding. Yeah. Yes, that is true. He, Being prepared to, to look at it renewed each time is a good thing. It is a good thing, and I think God wants us to do that. He doesn't want us to stay stuck in this year. I'm, I'm growing. I'm changing. I've got all this life experience, and God's saying, use that life experience that I'm giving you as we're growing together and start understanding my word a little bit better. And it, and it molds us, and it shapes us, and it grows us into the people, the, the people in Christ that we should be. I've got uh, Jeff over here. Oh, I've got a couple. So Jeff, um, Carl, David, and then way in the back there. Um, when I, I pray for divine interventions, as you say. Okay. To get it past my head knowledge by reading it. Right. Heart. Right. And sometimes it's not the quantity of words I read. It's the quality. So I read a small section and meditate on it. Right. Yeah, that is an important part. That's something I like to do too. You take a little bit of the scripture, and you and you, I like to commit it to memory. And when it's committed to memory, and you're just kind of rolling it around in your head, things start ruminating and things start stewing up. And it's, I think it's a part of a process of being with God and with Jesus, and letting that word just kind of soak inside of you and and grow. Carl, really quickly. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're going to be not responding to God's word and, you know, let them, Jesus said, you know, let, I mean, let them alone, that they be blind leaders of the blind. Right. And if they're not willing to embrace God's word. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to, to let it, let, let them sit and maybe somebody else will, will reach him. Right. But it may not be you. But maybe not. Not at that time, or yeah, right, not you. Who knows? Right, David? Sometimes when I read things, I interpret it different depending on the mood set that I'm in at the time. Okay. Circumstances in my life, yeah. they're going on. Yeah, I think that does. If I read it today, I might see it one way, and then I can see it a little bit different next week. Yeah, and I, and I think that kind of mirrors what, what Gary was saying. Not only days, but years, there, there's a yeah. process of... Sure of how the, the word matures and how it matures you and in you. Okay, way in the back, and then we'll move on to the, to the last one. Well, I had a little slight note in the, in the 
You're answering your own question. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> did, you, did you get tired of waiting? Is that it? <laughs> she got tired of waiting. All right. Well, I'm glad you answered your own question. Now we can go home. Okay. Right. That, that, that's a good one, too. Uh, but uh, let me, when we get there, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about mine, too, and, and maybe what, what I see in there, too. But here, let's, let's look at this really quickly. This is what Helen was saying earlier. Slow down for mud puddles. What do kids do around mud puddles? They do the exact opposite of what adults do, right? We have learned to avoid the mud puddles. They're dirty. They get your shoes dirty. They get everything dirty. Just avoid them. Kids jump right in because who cares? It's fun. And so in this mud puddle thing, like like you were saying, Helen, sometimes we reach a point in this text where it's, is tough, and it might challenge me. And sometimes I've had a tendency to say, I don't think I want to be challenged right now, so let's skip that mud puddle and let's move on. I shouldn't skip mud puddles. I should wallow in those mud puddles and let me and God and Jesus work this out and say, okay, I don't, I don't quite get this. But I'm willing to, 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 to understand here. I want to wallow around in this for a while. Maybe like Jeff was saying, you, you, you memorize something, you, you kind of let it ruminate. I don't understand that. Let, let's think about it for a while. Let's pray about it. Let's, let's do something here. It, it reminded me of Peter when we talked about Peter. And he says, I don't understand what you're saying there in John 6. I don't get it. But I know you have the words of eternal life, so I'm going to stay with you. There's a mud puddle here for Peter that's really hard for him to quite get his, his mind around. But he's saying, I'm going to get in the mud puddle, and I'm going to get dirty, and that's okay. I, I trust you, yeah. I know you enough to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And that's, that's this mud puddle here that I shouldn't, slow, I shouldn't just avoid it, shouldn't just step over it. And that, that comes with maturity. That comes with just learning more about Jesus, Amen. being willing to to get down and just spend some time in those puddles with him and let him teach us through his word. Did you have your hand up there, Helen? And, and in this one chapter, mm-hmm. the various kinds of groups and people that he encounters can be comforting for us to know that we're going to come across the same kind of <clears throat> match of uh, <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. So Mixed bag. Puddles, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does. It does. Matthew 15 does have some some different characters in it, and and the whole Gospels have have that where where Jesus is interacting with different characters. You're right. We're going to be exposed to different kinds of people in our life. We are those people. I don't think I understood that one, but what'd you say? I said we are those kinds of people throughout our life. Yeah, we're those kind of people here, aren't we? And a whole bunch of different people here, and we try to get along. Not everybody likes, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Everybody probably likes everybody. But we're not all best of friends. We love, yes, we love everybody. Thank you, Tom. You, you could say it out loud. You didn't have to mouth it to me. We love everybody. Thank you. There you go. 
Wait, there you go. We love everybody. We, we may not like them. You're right. But, but we love them because Jesus loves us. Not because you love me, but because Jesus loves me, I love you. And sometimes that, like you're saying, that, even that is a mud puddle here, getting with each other. Getting down in the mud puddles with each other and saying, I love you. I may not like you right now, but I love you. And Jesus loves me, so I get to love you. And that's just the way it's going to be. So those are the kind of questions that I want to ask myself that help me when I'm wrestling with things that are hurting, that are causing me to, to wake up at night. Because I think beauty is in the details. The details of the gospel, there's a lot of beauty in the details. Jesus is so beautiful. He's so multifaceted. There's so many things about him to, to take in and to, to breathe in that one person is never going to do it their entire lives. But if we just gloss over it, if we just run right through it, then we're going to miss those beautiful little details like in Matthew 15, the details that make Jesus Jesus and that will make us more like him if we do them. And that's where I'm getting to try and maybe answer a little bit about your question with the interaction between Jesus and the woman that kind of fits with how I wanted to end here because I see that. Let's look down there at your Bibles. In, let's see, it starts in around, was it 21, where he withdraws from the district of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a Canaanite woman came out from the region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. And you know, one thing that jumps out at me and has jumped out at me in the past and always jumps out at me is that this woman is crying out for her daughter. And her daughter's probably in pain. She's cruelly demon-possessed. But I think the cry of the mother is also a cry of pain. There's, there's a lot of pain in 22, which helps me because there's a lot of pain sometimes in my life. And I get to say the same thing. Have mercy on me. Help me. Just like the woman says to Jesus. But in 23, what does he do? He doesn't answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and asking him, kept asking him, saying, Yeah, get her out of here. She's causing a commotion. She's shouting after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered her and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And it does seem like Jesus is kind of giving her the cold shoulder. It does seem like Jesus is saying, What do I have to do with you? But I, I like the way he does this because I think it's a real-time lesson, or at least one of the things that I, that I see in here, and, and maybe this will change over time too, but uh, one of the things I see in here is this real-time lesson right in front of everybody about somebody's faith in this man, Jesus. He's saying to everybody, take a look at this woman's faith. Take a look at her faith. He's saying that to the disciples. He's saying that to the rest of the people around there, the disciples that just want to get her out of there. He's saying that to the crowd that, that probably just 
doesn't care about her. He's saying, take a look at this person's faith. This person that is not even from the house of Israel, the faith that she has in me. It's a, it's, for me, it's an object lesson in faith in Jesus Christ himself. Faith in a man by people who shouldn't be bowing down before him. And he's saying, don't bow down before me. But it's, it's interesting how that's, how that's couched in there and, and back and forth, the back and forth about the calling and the mother's words. And the due times Jesus refuses. And right in the middle of those refusals, she's crying out, Lord, help me. And he says, take a look at this woman's faith. Take a look at this faith. Now, if I and you have that kind of a faith in Jesus, what kind of an example would we be to the people around us? She is an example to the disciples. She's an example to everybody else. She's an example to her daughter. She's an example to us today because of her faith. The whole point of me re-examining who Jesus is is so that I can be a person of this kind of faith that will come and bow down before him and say, Lord, help me, knowing that he can take care of me, knowing that he will have mercy on me. Despite what everybody else says, I know this Jesus. I know him. I know he'll do this. I'm going to go bow down before him. Knowing that your mustard seed is big enough. He will make it big enough. That's why I thought this would tie into the end of the lesson because if we're re-examining Jesus, I'm assuming we want to look more like him, and I do. But sometimes the past gets in the way. Sometimes hurts get in the way. We don't have to let them, but sometimes it's hard to get around them. Sometimes it's hard to get over them. But we have to remember who helps us get around and over them and through them. It's Jesus. I need to latch on to him harder to get through the things that I need to get through to so that I can turn around and be this person, this woman, to other people in the world. So today I'm asking you to make a beeline to Jesus. Go straight to him. When you're reading the text this week, when you're looking at the Bible this week, when you're talking to people this week, make a beeline to Jesus. How do you make it? It's going to be different for each, each and every one of us. The examples we've already used is like Helen said about the compassion. You make a beeline to Jesus. You give somebody some food. You help somebody out. And you, help, you let them know why you did that. You say, I did that because Jesus did this for me. You're making a beeline to Jesus right in front of them. Find a way to do that this week. Find a way to make a beeline to him in your life so that you can do it for others. Do that this week as we stand and as we sing.